Good morning. And the Lord be with you. I welcome all of you here today. A very special day in the life of God's people today. We celebrate, we remember the miracle of the transfiguration. You'll hear about that story today. It's our gospel reading for today. Every single year, the Sunday before the beginning of Lent is Transfiguration Sunday. You'll hear more about Transfiguration throughout our service today. You'll hear a little bit more about Lent in just a few moments. But before we continue, I do invite you to take out the inserts in your worship folder, the items of interest. There's so much that's happening. There's so much that's coming up. I just want to point out a few of the highlights. First of all, today during our service in just a few moments, we're going to invite couples to come forward and renew their wedding vows. If you're celebrating an anniversary in 2018, that can be divided by the number five. You're welcome to come and join us in the front of church, like I say, in just a few moments. One of the great traditions we have here at Resurrection. Speaking of marriage, we have a marriage enrichment seminar coming up as well. That's going to happen in March, March 9th and 10th. That's a Friday and a Saturday, a little bit on Friday night, then a big chunk of Saturday. You can read more about that. You can sign up for that. There's instructions how to do just that in your items of interest today. There's a sale lunch, and that's our senior group. That's happening Friday, uh, February 16th at 12.30 p.m. I do encourage you seniors to be a part of that, to sign up for that today on your way out of church. And then, of course, the big happening in the week ahead, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the Lenten season. We have three worship opportunities for you on Ash Wednesday. The first one is at 7 a.m. If you'd like to come before church, before, excuse me, before work, work, this has worked for me, but work or school, if you'd like to come in the morning and attend Ash Wednesday, get started in the Lenten season early. That first service will take about a half hour, so you might have time to just, you know, plan and schedule accordingly. And then two more services later in the day, 4.30 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. Ashes will be available at all three services. There will also be Holy Communion celebrated at all three services. The church will be open throughout the entire day. If you want to come and pray or receive ashes at any point, whatever works best for you, for your family, for your schedule. So we look forward to that. First Communion instruction also begins this week for fourth graders and older. If you haven't taken First Communion yet, you can read more about that as well. A lot happening, a lot coming up. Please take this home and plan to join us in the days and weeks to come. All that being said, I invite you to stand as our service begins with the first hymn. It's number 873 in your hymnal. continue in our worship folder. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a servant of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. be with you. And also Let us pray. O oh God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirm the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. And as I mentioned during the announcements, it's a very special day here at Resurrection. Today we celebrate the gift of marriage, and I invite all couples who are celebrating a special anniversary in 2018 to come forward and gather around the altar at this time. And while you're making your way up here, I invite you to once again look at the insert in your worship folder, friends, and Special anniversaries we want to highlight this year, of course, we celebrate with Robert and Judy Seitz, who are celebrating their 50th anniversary in 2018. You can clap, it's good. That's a good thing. Yes. I'll use all the space, friends. With Gerhardt and Gisela Muller, who are with us today, who are celebrating their 50th anniversary in 2018. Martin and Adele Jager celebrating their 60th anniversary this year. And of course, finally, James and Jean Muff, 65 years in 2018. 
there's, there's plenty of space. Make yourself comfortable. Just make sure you're standing next to your spouse. Okay? That's, that's, that's the most important part today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Beloved in the Lord, these husbands and wives have come before the Lord to commemorate and renew their solemn vows of holy matrimony, which they spoke to each other when they were married. Thankful for the mercy and kindness that our Heavenly Father has showered upon them, they seek God's continued care and grace. We offer praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for holy matrimony and join together in imploring God's love and goodness. A reading from Colossians, where St. Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you now to turn to each other and join hands. Husbands, I ask you first, in the presence of God and all these witnesses, do you reaffirm the promises you made on your wedding day when you took this woman to be your wife? If so, then answer, I do. Wives, I now ask you, in the presence of God and all these witnesses, do you reaffirm the promises you made on your wedding day when you took this man to be your husband? If so, then answer, I do. I do. Now here's the hard part. Husbands, repeat after me. <laughs> my beloved wife, I reaffirm my sincere promise to be your husband, and I implore the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ, that renewed by his loving kindness and sustained by his grace, I will be faithful until death parts us. And now wives, repeat after me. My beloved husband, I reaffirm my sincere promise to be your wife. And I implore the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ that renewed by his loving kindness and sustained by his grace, I will be faithful until death parts us. Dear friends, our merciful God and Father has sustained and blessed you throughout your wedded life. May he who is ever faithful in love and compassion, continue to grant you grace so that with true fidelity and steadfast love, you may honor and keep your promises, grow in love towards him and for each other, and come at last to the eternal joys that he has promised. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you instituted marriage Bless and honor it with the presence of your Son, and continue to protect and preserve it. We thank you for the love and grace which you have bestowed upon these, your children, throughout their marriages. You have accompanied them with loving kindness and tender mercy, visited them with comfort, strengthened them in sorrow and sickness, and crowned their lives with every blessing. You have enabled them to walk in marital love and fidelity, holding them to each other in sickness and in health, in adversity and prosperity, and granting them strength, patience, and faithfulness. Be with them, O Lord, until the end of their days, even as you have guided them in the past. Be their health, strength, refuge, and life. When the days of their earthly pilgrimage have ceased, graciously bring them to the marriage supper of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they may dwell with you and all your faithful, and rejoice in your joy forever. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, friends... May your hearts continue to be united in love and faithfulness, and your homes remain dwelling places of the Lord. 
And at the end of your pilgrimage here on this earth, may you together see God face to face and enjoy the glory that he has promised to all children who abide in his love. Amen. Please join me in congratulating our wedding couples. You may kiss the bride. First reading is uh, from Corinthians chapter 3 verses 12 to 13 and chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. Since we have such a hope, we're very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Therefore, having the ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounce disgraceful, unhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of the word was blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what, what we have proclaimed is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Well, he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and the voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what he had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. The boys and girls of our Sunday School Choir have been working very hard to sing a special song for you today. They're going to sing that song now. I invite our Sunday School Choir to come forward at this time.
Well, that was amazing, boys and girls. Boys and girls, you can come on up here. We're going to talk about Jesus for a few minutes. If there's any other boys and girls out there who want to come up and talk about Jesus, now is the time. Come on up. All right. Take your time. Take your time. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Good morning, boys and girls. Boys and girls, it's so great to see you today. I'm so excited because this week something very special happens on Wednesday. Does anyone know what happens on Wednesday? Wait, wait, what? What? All right. Well, boys, boys and girls. This Wednesday, you know, there's two things happening. One is Valentine's Day. That's, that's neat. That's nice. But the big thing happening Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. You all should plan to come to church on Ash Wednesday. You should say to your parents the next several days, you should say, we need to go to church on Wednesday so we can get ashes on our head and remember how much Jesus loves us and remember all that Jesus did for us. That's so important, boys and girls. Remember, Ash Wednesday is this week. Lent begins this week. We will see you in church. But... As some of us said, Wednesday is also Valentine's Day. And so, so for about, in honor of Valentine's Day, I brought this with me to church today. Can everyone see what this is? What is this? It's a heart. That's right. Hearts are a big deal on Valentine's Day. And when you see the heart, when you see a heart like this, what do you think of? What does the heart symbolize? Valentine's Day. Yes, what did you say? Love. When you think, when you see the heart, you think of love. Valentine's Day is a day about love, right? Maybe you give a card to your mom or your dad. You should make a card for your mom, your dad, your grandparents. You give it to them or they give you a card. And they're telling you when they give you a card with hearts on it, they're telling you they love you, right? So the heart symbolizes love. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay. I have something else I want to show you. This is it. Everyone see what this is? What does a cross symbolize? Ash Wednesday, good answer. You get five points. That's great. Yes. It, 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 the cross symbolizes who? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. When you see the cross, you think of Jesus. And you think of all that Jesus did when Jesus was on that cross. When Je- what did Jesus do on that cross? Do you remember? He died. Jesus died to take our sin away. Jesus died on that cross so that we could be forgiven. So that we... So that, we could, so that we could live forever. Boys and girls, I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus died on that cross, that was the greatest act of love that ever has been. So look at this. This is a symbol of love, but this, this is the greatest symbol of love that there ever is or ever will be. Every time you see that cross, remember Jesus and remember Jesus and all that he did, and remember most of all that Jesus loves you more than anything. Amen? Amen. You guys were so awesome today. Thank you very much. My good friend, my good friend, Miss Jennifer's in the back for Children's Church. She would love to help you if you guys would go to Children's Church and have a great time down there. While you're making your way back there, the rest of us, we're going to sing our hymn of the day, number 414 in your hymnal.
I think a lot of you know this about me already, but I want to talk briefly about something. I love the movies. I love going to the movies. One of my favorite things to do in life is to go to the movie theater, get some popcorn, and sit and eat and watch a movie. And I can watch pretty much anything and have a really good time. I like movies of all sorts. I like westerns. I like war movies. I like romantic comedies. I like animation. I've seen a lot of those kind of movies in the past several years, obviously. But of all the movies that are out there, my favorite sort of movie falls generally into the category that we will call fantasy. Fantasy. And the more fantastical, the more outside the realm of reality, the more special effects, the more movie magic, the better. I like movies set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I like movies about superheroes that come from other planets who can leap tall buildings in a single bound. I like movies about aliens who come down from outer space and help and rescue children who need best friends. I like movies about elves and hobbits and wizards and orcs and having to destroy an evil ring. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I I don't know what to tell you right now. But I think you get the idea. I like to be dazzled. I like to have the bounds of my imagination stretch. Some people might say, well, I, Pastor Browning, I like movies that are gritty and realistic. For me, I have plenty of grit and realism in my everyday life. I like something otherworldly. I like an escape from grit and realism, even if it's just for two hours. Fantasy. And I'm reminded of this this week because this week, of course, the Sunday of the Transfiguration. Everyone knows what the Transfiguration is by this point, right? If you don't know what the Transfiguration is, there's a picture of it on the front of your worship folder cover for today. Keep in mind, this is not an actual photo. This is an artist's conception of what the Transfiguration was. Because, as you heard, only three non-Jesus humans were actually there that day. And so you read about this, and before we get too deep into this comparison between fantasy movies and the Transfiguration, folks, we need to make a distinction here, right? Movies, fiction. Fantasy movies, fantasy. This, the gospel, really happened. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, fellow Christians, Jesus was, is, and will be. The transfiguration really happened. This is history, so keep that in mind as we talk. But that being said, this sounds a lot like a fantasy, doesn't it? It sounds amazing. It sounds dazzling. It sounds like something they would really work hard on in the special effects department, if you understand what I'm trying to say. An otherworldly kind of experience. An experience most of us cannot imagine cannot conceive of. You know what I think would be a lot of fun if I said to you, take out a piece of paper, you don't really have to do this, take out a piece of paper and draw the transfiguration for me. It would be tough, wouldn't it? I couldn't capture it. You couldn't capture it. We couldn't capture it. Because it was that amazing. And you heard the story. Most of you know the story. The transfiguration happened in the closing stages of Jesus' time on this earth. It was a matter of weeks before he'd be hanging on a cross to atone for the sins of the world. But before he did that, before that happened, he took with him three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and the three of them, the Bible tells us, they hiked to the top of a very high mountain. Get a little exercise in before you do this, right? And so they went to the top of this high mountain, and when they got up there, Jesus showed them who he was. And I mean who he really was. He showed them the glory of God. He showed them the glorious face of God himself. And the glorious face of God himself, it just happened to be his face. But it was his face how they had never seen it before. The Bible tells us his face 
shone like the sun. What do you think that means? I don't know what that means. Have you ever tried to look up at the sun, though? Not like, I mean, like, stare into the sun. You shouldn't actually do this, folks. Remember, remember back in the fall when, they, when the, the, the eclipse was happening and you had to make the special eclipse glasses where you could make something out of a box that was way beyond my technological capabilities? You cut a box up, what are you, but you, you're not supposed to look. It, yeah. Jesus was dazzling. Human beings could not behold how dazzling he was. And it wasn't just his face, it was also his clothes. The Bible tells us his clothes became dazzling white and only Mark's gospel adds this detail whiter than any bleach on this earth could make them. And no, this is not a Tide commercial. This is reality. But the party was just getting started. Because then, all of a sudden, two other people show up on the scene. What were their names? Moses and Elijah. I talked about Moses, you may remember, a couple of weeks ago. And Moses was active... 1,400 years prior to the transfiguration. He led God's people out of exile, out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. He led them to the promised land. And oh, by the way, along the way, on that journey to the promised land, he also picked up something called the Ten Commandments. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. God gave all of us the Ten Commandments through Moses. Moses is remembered by the people of God as the lawgiver, right? Elijah was also there. I, Elijah was active about 850-ish years before the transfiguration. He was a prophet. A prophet is one who comes and proclaims the word of God to the people. And Elijah did just that. He proclaimed the word of God to God's people. He proclaimed the word of God to kings and princes. Elijah is remembered as the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. Isn't that awesome? And the fact that they were there that day, how awesome is that? And it's packed with so much meaning, with so much symbolism, with so much potential metaphor, right? Oh, this is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. This is about, you know, completion. And Jesus is the second Moses. And Jesus is the completion of the law. It means all these things. You can talk about all these things. But there's one factoid I get hung up on every time I read this about those two guys being there. Those two guys were dead. Their journey on this earth had ended centuries prior to this. But all of a sudden, there they were. And so I ask you, what does this mean? What was going on in that mountain? What were Peter and James and John, what were they seeing? What were they experiencing? I'll give you a hint. It's on the sign outside. Lutheran. No! Resurrection. They saw the glory of God. They saw Jesus as he would be when he was resurrected. They saw the dead rising again. They heard the voice of God himself. They had heaven up on top of that mountain. That's what it was. Make no mistake. It was nothing short of heaven on top of that mountain. And that's why Peter said, man, it's good to be here. Peter wanted to stay. Because it was beyond all description. It was amazing. It stretched the bounds of his imagination, of their imagination. It was dazzling. It was wonderful. It was glorious. It was ever. It was a flood of emotions. Once you taste heaven, I guess, you never want it to stop. You never want it to leave. And that's what they got that day. The transfiguration. Some story, right? Pretty amazing to think about. And every single year, I get to think about it. Every single year, we get to talk about it. We get to celebrate it here in the church as the people of God. The Sunday before Ash Wednesday, always, the Sunday of the Transfiguration. And every single year, essentially, I say the same thing to you. I say essentially what I just said. But today, I want to say something else. I want to ask you a question. The Transfiguration. So what? So what? Let's consider this in the broadest of terms. Let's consider this in the biggest of pictures that we can. A long time ago, in a land far, far away, 
Three people. Of the billions and billions of people who have ever walked on this earth, three people got to see a transfiguration. Got to experience that moment in history. What about, what about the rest of us? What, what about us? What are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to respond? I mean, do we pat ourselves on the back? Do we pat each other on the back because, oh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe? That's us. Am I supposed to feel jealous? I do a little bit. I do a lot. Every time I read these miraculous stories in the gospel, I would like to see that. I wish I'd been there. I wish I'd experienced what they experienced on that mountaintop. Heaven. A fantasy beyond all expectation. Something we cannot imagine. Something no movie studio can recreate. Something no artist can draw. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, the glory that God has for his people. So they get heaven, and what do I get? What do we get? We get grit and realism. They get heaven, and we get cold and flu season. They get resurrection, we get the ongoing challenges of life in this world. We get sickness, we get pain. We get worse than that. We get hospitals. We get death. We get stress and anxiety. We get bills that never seem to go away. We get problems that never feel like they'll ever be fixed. We get sin. We get to live with the mistakes that we've made. We get to try and come to terms with situations that feel and seem irreparable. We get to say goodbye to people we care about, to people we love. We get to try and deal with the challenging people in our lives. That's what this world is. Paint it any way you want. This world is defined by sin. What does a transfiguration have to do with us? Where do we fit into this story? And I struggled with that a lot this week, but then as I read this gospel lesson, I think for the 14th time or so, something jumped out at me, and I've missed it. A minor detail I've read so many times over the years. And I read it to you again today. Verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Jesus led them up a high mountain by themselves. Maybe we've skipped over that part of the story. Because we want to put ourselves on top of that mountain. When in truth, we're still making the climb. That's where we are. That's our part, maybe, in the story. We are climbing a mountain. And the Bible tells us it's a very high mountain. Anybody climb Mount Everest before? Pretty specialized group of people do that, I suppose. But I think this, term, this idea of climbing high mountains is very analogous to life as we know it. Life is a lot like climbing a mountain. It's challenging. It's difficult. Sometimes maybe you say to yourself, why am, I, why am I doing this? Sometimes maybe you say to yourself, I don't think I'm going to make it. Sometimes you might say to yourself, I don't feel as though I can go on. Sometimes you feel as though you're running out of breath, figuratively and literally. Peter, James, and John, they climbed up that mountain. But Jesus went with them. And brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, as you climb the mountain that is life in this world, you do not go alone. Who goes with you? 
Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus says to you, I know it's hard. I've been here. I went through suffering and death. I went through sickness. I lost friends. I lost a father. I lost a family. I know what it's like. And I know what you need. And Jesus says, I give you what you need. What you most need. I give you what's most precious. I give you myself. Jesus, who through baptism unites us to his life, his death, his resurrection. Jesus, who through baptism gives us his presence, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. We forget that. We lose sight of that. We overlook that all the time. This wonderful, amazing truth that God lives in me. God lives in you. That's the miracle of faith. And that God is constantly whispering in your ear what you most need to hear. I love you. I love you. The world can say what it wants. You can feel how you want, but it doesn't change the greatest of realities. I love you, Jesus says, anyway. I died on a cross to set you free. And I rose again to give you forever. As you make your way up that hill, be forgiven. When you fall, hear the voice of Jesus saying to you, get up. Get up. I forgive you. I give you the strength to go on. I give you the love that you most need. I give you food and drink for along the way. I give you a death and a resurrection. I give you everything that I have. It's yours. And I go with you. And we can do this together, Jesus says. And the journey is not the end. There is a top to this mountain. And the top is beyond your wildest fantasy. You will see the glory of God. You will see the dead rising again. You will see the face of Jesus himself. And brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, you will live forever. Whatever happens to us in this life, we have a future. We have a destiny. Beyond our wildest hopes and expectations, the glory of God will be ours. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I invite you to join me now on page three of your worship folder as we confess the ancient Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In our prayers today, we do remember all the special people in our lives and in the life of our church family for whom prayers have been requested. In addition to all those listed on your prayer guide, we do want to remember and pray for Rick Kalanita today. Many of you know Rick. Rick had a procedure this past week. It went very well. He's now home. He's recovering and should be back with us very, very soon. But please keep him in your prayers today and in the days to come. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious Lord, Father of Jesus Christ, in your Son, you took, your glory took on human flesh and blood to bring to us eternal life. Open the eyes of all people to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Moses and Elijah appeared with the Savior in glory to witness that all the law and the prophets speak of him. Give the church clarity in proclaiming Jesus that all who listen to them may hear the voice of the Savior calling them to life. Lord, in your mercy, you intend all authority upon the earth to be a blessing 
not a burden. Remember those entrusted with civil authority here and in all places. Enable them to serve with wisdom and integrity. Lord, in your mercy, you alone can bring peace that passes understanding to aching hearts. We pray that you would remember all who are ill, hospitalized, lonely, or afflicted in any way right now. Especially we do remember Rick. We remember all those listed on our prayer guide and those we now name before you in our hearts. Let them sense your peace and your presence and experience healing and relief according to your good and perfect will. Lord, in your mercy, you spread your banquet before your children that we might taste and see that you are good. Grant to all who come to the altar this morning repentant and believing hearts that this sacrament may transform us from one degree of glory into another. Lord, in your mercy, into your hands we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. We worship our Lord now with the gathering of our gifts and our offerings. You may be seated. We continue on page four of your worship folder with the service of the sacrament. Please stand. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Jesus Christ, on the same night when he was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body that's given for you, do this in the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks, he gave it for all to drink, and he said, take and drink, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin, do this as often as you drink it, in the remembrance of me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. We share the peace of Christ with one another.
Please stand. Now may this, the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in his peace. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this healing power of this gift. And we pray that in your mercy, you would strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Receive the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord.